This episode is brought to you by Hover, the best place to buy domains. Go to hover.com slash GOG to get 10% off your first purchase. Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Um, I've got a bit of follow-up. Cashmere Hill finished her series about cutting out the big five of tech giants. Uh, We fell a little bit behind, so she did her one with Apple, which was interesting because like any techie person, they tend to use Apple products. So iPhones, iPads, Macintoshes, all that sort of stuff. Macintoshes. Doesn't make me sound old if I say Macintosh. Macs. (laughs) Macs, yes. (laughs) Yeah. And as she says, like Apple is my gateway to almost all things digital. I'm physically touching an Apple device for the majority of any given day. Being asked to remove Apple from my life was like being asked to remove a part of my body that was incredibly useful, but that I could live without like a finger or an eyeball. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and she went through it and basically discovered that of all the tech giants, because she did this one last, uh, Apple is the only one that she could actually get by without. Um, now, she did it a little bit. She knew that the next week she was going to cut out all five. So instead of going from Apple to, say, an Android or to um, you know a Mac to a PC using Microsoft Windows, uh, she tried to find alternatives to those systems to use. Now, I personally would have liked to hear a Mac user's experience with Android, living on Android and Windows for a week. So I didn't get that. I was a bit bummed out by that, but I understand why she did it, because if you read the week, the next one, I cut the big five tech giants from my life. It was hell. Uh, you understand why she did it, because she needed to basically have a lot of prep time to be able to not use either Android or Apple, because basically they have a lock on cell phones. Basically. Yeah, so, definitely. So, yeah, so she needed a lot of prep time. So next, so basically, you can live without Apple. You just wouldn't want to. Yeah, why? <laughs> yeah, because it's actually one of the of the five tech companies. It's the best uh, in terms of privacy, in terms of security, in terms of everything ethics etc usability Um, usability design (laughs) yes so you know you can survive uh so then the next week uh she cut out all five and tried to live without five and uh basically couldn't is what she discovered and she says uh critics of the big tech companies are often told if you don't like the company don't use its products i did this experiment to find out that it is possible and i found out that it's not with the exception of <laughs> Apple. These companies are unavoidable because they control internet infrastructure, online commerce, and information flows. Many of them specialize in tracking you around the web. Whether you use their products or not, these companies started out selling books, offering search results, or showcasing college hotties, but they have expanded enormously and now touch almost every online interaction. These companies look a lot like modern monopolies. I would argue that they don't just look like it. <laughs> yeah. They are. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then there's a follow-up from the, uh, the, from the super techie guy that helped her. Uh, so if you want to really block the tech giants, here's how. And it's a uh, it's how he built the custom VPN for each one and for, you know, and then combine all of them so you can give this a go yourself. I thought that this article was fascinating and we're kind of just doing the TLDRs on it because I think everybody that listens to the show uh, should go read all these articles. It's it's pretty eye opening about um, how we're really locked by five different companies. The entire world is. Oh, yeah. No, it's yeah. it's pretty much done. Yeah. So, I mean, the only comment I have about this whole series is it's great that she did it, but she's super into the tech world, right? She's a tech writer. She works online. I would love to see follow-ups on this from people of different walks of life, different economic uh, levels, different lifestyles, different jobs. I would love to see how how these five companies really affect a, a, a wider swath of Americans and and even people in the world. So I, I hope she does continue to follow ups and does something like that, because I think it would be really interesting. I don't think it'll change much because, again, everything is digital now. This is the arguments that we get in with our listeners who don't like us talking politics or whatever. Everything is digital now. Um, so I don't think it's going to change much, whether you're a farmer or an office bee or whatever. Um, but I would be interested to see. Anyways, just me. There you go. I think Mm -hmm. that, uh, yeah, it was a fun, fun experiment. I really like the follow up on how the guy built all the tools to to block them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I understood almost all of it, which Mm -hmm. is surprising. (laughs) Very surprising. Because, yeah, my IT chops have kind of atrophied over the years. Thank God. Mm Kind of glad for that. Now, I found an article over at e-flux.com, a a site that I'd never heard of before. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's about it's a site about architecture. And it's by Molly Souter. It's called City Planning Heaven Sent. 
and it's kind of a follow-up on the Sidewalk Project in Toronto. Yeah. And I thought I'd put this in here because you might be moving to Toronto at some point and have to <laughs> interact with this thing. Now, I don't know if you read the entire thing. It's a very long read. Uh, mm-hmm. She uses lots of 50-cent words. <laughs> and it, as you get to the bottom, my favorite part, though, is, thanks, I hate it. And she gives basically a rundown of Toronto's problems as far as just the politics in Toronto goes, but also the fact that, you know, at Google and not not Google per se, because now it's sidewalk, you know, the whole alphabet right. thing, yes. how they've just kind of come in, gotten free real estate for the mm-hmm. most part and are running this experiment. And it's not so much a, you know, this benevolence that they're doing. It's they're trying to figure out how to get this going and then re- take it away and replicate it elsewhere. Oh, yeah. But they're just using Toronto as the test bed. And it's interesting how the story has changed when they were like somebody went to Sidewalk and asked them to come be part of the project. But over time, Sidewalk has flipped the script and said, oh, we chose Toronto because of A, B, C and D when that is, in fact, not the truth at all. And it's a really interesting read. And I think this is going to be a debacle. I really uh, do. It already is. I mean, it's it's yeah. a mess, and um, you know, people don't really don't want it. Um, seeing some pushback about this sort of stuff, which is nice. It's kind of like, no, we don't really want Google coming in and redoing our cities. Actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's it's gonna it's gonna be interesting how this plays out in the real world. Is with all of the backlash that we've had with you know just everything right now, everything tech in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's funny that you know. This thing has finally come full circle. We've, it's only taken us six years to get people to understand what's been going on. <laughs> we should have started sooner. In the news. Getting back to a conversation we have all the time. What does delete mean? Uh, there's an <laughs> article over at Salon. Uh, you just deleted Facebook. Can you trust Facebook to delete your data? And we all nope. know what the answer to questions and headlines is. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a really good article, um, and it just gets into some interesting statistics, too. It says, thanks to social media, the data collected on the most mundane details of daily life is unprecedented. Experts estimate that there are 2.5 quintillion bytes of data created each day at our current pace, a figure that just continues to grow. As a writer for The Guardian explained, when he downloaded his Facebook data, his data download was nearly 600 megabytes, equivalent to nearly 400,000 Word documents. Which is a stupid fucking metric. Yes, because it really (laughs) depends on the Word document, doesn't it? It really does. It could be 600 (laughs) gazillion Word documents. That makes, that's, that's the dumbest metric i've ever heard but i anyway, know as continue. soon as you put that in there i was like yep that is uh so he goes through uh the article continues on as scandals sweep through the social media facebook many people are realizing the intimate nature of the personal data that facebook possesses and delete facebook movement has everyday users deleting and or deactivating their accounts which i would argue they did for a while but i haven't seen recently that kind of behavior may seem freeing a way of telling off a social media site that has lost the trust of many But given Facebook's track record on both privacy and telling the truth, it's worth asking if we can really trust them to delete our data when we ask them. Now, the problem with this article is it basically doesn't do a very deep dive. It just goes to Facebook's website, which says that it takes 90 days to delete data stored in backup systems. And then, um, you know, this means that uh, some information such as messaging history isn't stored in your account because friends have access to messages after you sent them and your account is deleted. And there are log records, which may remain in Facebook's database, but are disassociated from personal identifiers, which we also know is bullshit. (laughs) So, yes, there is still a paper trail. Now, what they don't do is actually contact Facebook and say, do you really do this? Do you really delete it? Or is everything in there just disassociated from your profile and you've kept everything? Because what we think is its visibility is zero, not delete. Right, right. And these are complex systems. We know that, you know, there there's going to be stuff everywhere because just of the nature of the distributed system that they have built, you know, yeah, got data Mm -hmm. centers everywhere. So time to delete backups and backups and backups and copies and copies and copies everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the 90 days to delete data stored in backup systems is completely disingenuous because, you know, they're keeping backups for a lot longer than 90 days. Are you still getting emails from Facebook? No, I don't get emails from Facebook because I've disabled my account. I have not deleted it yet, though. It is still uh, disabled. Right. So you're still, just still in case. sitting out there. Oh, yeah. It's still oh, definitely yeah. there. <laughs> uh, just in case I find that one website that I forgot that I used the, uh, you know, sign oh, in with Facebook. Facebook. Sign in, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just in case. 
But most of the places that I've had to switch over have been fairly straightforward because I used a very specific email address for Facebook. And it's easy to, you know, backtrack and call support and say, hey, guys, uh, yeah, I'm not going to do this anymore. Can I still have my account? Can you just put a password on it so I can log in with email? And everybody said yes so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is good. But I, I was thinking about this as I read this article. You know, back in the good old days, we knew all of this was possible. All of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. As soon as we discovered the tracking pixel for tracking stats, we saw the wealth of information you can get from everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I found it even more because I ran a site that put a JavaScript embed right. on the page, which was just incredible when I saw how much <laughs> stuff I could get and how much mm-hmm. stuff I could do. Mm-hmm. And now the difference between us and the people who do these shenanigans. I would the, only collect the data that we actually needed. Well, that, but we also, <laughs> we had a, we had an ethical understanding between, you know, us web devs that the shit was evil and we didn't want it happening to us. Yep. We didn't want these systems mm-hmm. to exist because we knew that if, if we built it, it would get abused. So yep. we completely had this, we had this understanding between ourselves back then. <laughs> and also Remember when sites were publicly shamed by when they did something nefarious? Because there was yep. a, the first time when some site said, import your address book and, you know, we can use it to find your friends. And then they emailed everybody in your address book. And then they got more and more and more people yep. that they, like everybody got pissed off. And then they had to walk it back mm-hmm. because we basically said this is ridiculous. That was a thing that we did. But, you know, now this, the web is filled with so many unethical assholes that it's just expected <laughs> that it's going to happen. Yeah, we've all thrown our hands up in the air. It's kind of what we've done with privacy. We've just said, well, we expect that this is going to happen. What are we going to do about it? Nothing Ye- we can do. Yeah, we just need a no asshole rule on the web. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right. Well, let's have some AI news. <sighs> yes, yes, yes. Trump has signed an executive order on maintaining American leadership in artificial intelligence. <clears throat> oh god i'll start with just some regular old intelligence that'd be all right with me that's true that's true now the plan aims to achieve five key things mm-hmm. the order will direct federal funding agencies to prioritize investments in artificial intelligence it will seek to make federal data computer models and computing resources available to ai researchers it will direct the national institute of standards and technology to create standards that foster the development of reliable robust trustworthy secure portable and interoperable ai systems it will ask agencies to prioritize preparing workers for the changes brought about by ai through apprenticeships skills programs and fellowships and finally it will call for a strategy for international collaboration that ensures ai is developed in a way consistent with american values and interests okay you know what uh, is glaringly missing for me here. What? Absolutely anything about ethics. Oh yes, there's a no. This is a, consistent with American values and interests. We don't That's have ethics. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This is what is extremely concerning: the fact that that you could have this broad plan where you're trying to get a bunch of funding and you're trying to push everything forward, and not one of the points really has anything to do with with being careful and being ethical about how we push forward with this. Not one. No, not at all. And uh, we're just finding out that with like 15 years of Facebook, we're just <laughs> seeing what, what it has done to society now. How long mm-hmm. is it going to take for the AI stuff to come in and we oh. figure out, oh, well, yeah, that was even worse. Oops. <laughs> Oops. Can yeah. we walk this back? Nope. <laughs> too late. Too, <laughs> too late. late. Hello, yeah. Skynet. Nice to meet <laughs> you. And there's a Wired Opinion piece that I came across, which I loved. It's by Yale Eisenstadt who I've never heard of, but used to work at Facebook, also used to work at the CIA, (laughs) (laughs) which is pretty cool. And he wrote a piece called The Real Reason Tech Struggles with Algorithmic Bias. Mm -hmm. And it's talking about how basically our brains don't work the way that we think they do, because we all know about cognitive biases who listen to Mm -hmm. some of the podcasts that we listen to. And the people who are building this crap up in uh, Silicon Valley do the barest of minimum to take try and take out bias because they don't understand bias right and it's a great piece because he talks about as a cia and intelligence officer they went through rigorous training to figure out biases and how Mm -hmm. to spot them and how to think around them and make sure that you're making the right decision and he's just like yeah this is never going to work these people are untrained they have no idea what they're doing and 
to be able to spot cognitive bias, you have to slow down, think, ask questions, you know, take your time. <laughs> Wait, you mean don't move fast and break things? Exactly. He's oh, like, okay. Interesting. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> that's why it's never going to work until these people slow down and just think about things. They just do not have the critical thinking skills to make it possible. So mm -hmm. without that, it ain't never going to happen. And it's all, it's going to be bias all the way down. Great. Yep. Well worth a read though. Yep. Well worth a read. Uh, some more pushback happening. Um, over against Airbnb. I figured this was fitting for a show that will be coming out on Valentine's Day. The City okay. of Light and Love. Paris has uh, warned Airbnb. Uh, Airbnb did not listen, and now Paris is taking action. The mayor of Paris, Anne Hidalgo, uh, told the JDD that the city is suing the company for 1,010 illegal listings. The fine could be worth as much as $14.2 million. Um, based on current legislation, you can't rent an apartment for more than 120 days a year. If you want to rent an apartment on Airbnb in Paris, you have to register your apartment with the city. The city then gives you an ID number so they can track how many nights you're listing your apartment on Airbnb, which makes sense to all of us. We're fine with this. That's great. Except many listings don't have that ID number. They flagged around, well, a thousand apartments back in December 2017 and said Airbnb was shockingly dragging its feet and not doing much about it. They have no incentive to comply as hosts are responsible for their own listings. The we're just a platform excuse. Yep. Here usual. it goes again. <laughs> Here it goes again. Now, thanks to a new law, the responsibility is now shared between the hosts and the platform. So you are not just a platform anymore. The city of Paris can now find Airbnb for all those illegal listings up to 12,500 pounds per listing or euros per listing. Jesus, I'm so behind still with <laughs> money um airbnb has been putting too much pressure on the housing market according to the mayor she thinks that uh 6500 no, 65,000 apartments are now reserved for airbnb in paris alone which is staggering in some areas has become quite hard to find an apartment because of that local shops also suffer this is the trickle down effect unintended consequences because tourists have completely different needs than people that live in the neighborhood so here we go go paris all right Good luck. Yeah, good and, luck. Yeah. I haven't been to Paris in 20 years, and I don't think I ever want to go back. Oh, that's quite lovely. I was just there four years ago. Yeah, it's still a, a beautiful it's, city. It's pretty, but man, people are just not very nice. They're it's, French. That's true. It's, it's, <laughs> I, think, I think it says it right there on the tin. Yeah, uh, you get what you... It's right there on the tin. That's exactly right. Uh, and in not surprising news, uh, Mars One is dead. Mars One was the, that was the project. The company that uh, was doing basically the reality TV yeah. show to put people on Mars. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and who is surprised by that? Uh, absolutely no one. So it is over. Um, the Swiss-based Ventures AG was declared bankrupt by a court on January 15th. Uh, it was at one time valued at almost $100 million. And according to uh, listings right now, they have less than 20,000 uh, euros in their account. So that's a... <laughs> That's going to be hard to send six to ten people to Mars on 20,000 euros. Yep, definitely. Yeah. So, I don't even think you could get them to Florida. <laughs> that's true. For that price. <laughs> now, speaking of Florida, we have a Fort Lauderdale woman who is in a coma following an electric scooter accident. Ashanti Jordan has not woken up since the day six weeks ago when she hopped on a lime green scooter and took off onto a downtown Fort Lauderdale street and a car mm. hit her. And yeah. the family is suing lime right now mm -hmm. because they are saying that lime's instructions are not right and they're they're having people break the law okay. so it's it's a interesting case to watch because we'll, we're going to see how this pans out and i i mean i'm obviously on the side of the family on this one but it's really interesting that i went to just do a quick check just mm -hmm. a quick check i hopped over to instagram and uh checked out the the lime account mm-hmm about six percent of their photos have people with helmets yeah i mean we talked about this initially yep. like this is, it's all of them you know the home pages had you know beautiful looking people riding along the boardwalk in santa monica which is illegal without without a helmet on which is illegal it's insane my favorite was uh, there was a woman in high heels on a scooter with no <laughs> helmet headed for a massive bump in the sidewalk which i think is pretty much what these companies are headed for if these yep. lawsuits keep going because I told you before about my my Google alert for scooters mm -hmm. and every day it's just yeah. accident after accident after accident. People are just getting so severely hurt by these things. 
it's just I mean, it's I, criminal. Yeah, it's criminal. I'm, I'm out. I, I try to do a bike ride every day and I try to go on a path, which is theoretically illegal for scooters. And I see scooters every day on them, of course, and no, no helmets every other day, at least for the 45 minutes to an hour that I'm out there. I see an accident. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody falls, somebody does something. So, yeah, yeah, it's the way it's going to be. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. Culling the herd, I guess, is what we should call that. <laughs> I'm OK yeah. with that. But speaking of other things that are criminal, I saw this this morning and I just shook my head. Reddit is now valued at three billion dollars. Hey, it's the front page of the Internet, Jason. Oh, my God. I. I, I, I'm almost it's a glorified message board. That's that, it. That's uh, it. Gets, gets a lot of trouble. Board. <laughs> yeah. But they're just a platform. So, you know, just a platform. Yeah. They just raised three hundred million dollars. Why do you need three hundred million dollars for a message board? Uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm sure they have a lot of operating costs, and and Reddit makes attempts at at uh, at actually, you know, self policing themselves and and kicking off stuff that shouldn't be there. But. Yeah, I, the the fun part about this is the the funding round was led by Tencent Holdings, mm-hmm. uh, which is a Chinese company, oh, and great. Reddit's banned in China. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we can't use it, but we still want to make money off of it. That's true. This episode of Grumpy Old Geeks is brought to you by Hover, our favorite domain registrar in the world. I've been buying and selling domains for well over 20 years, and never before has there been a service like Hover. There have been a lot of services that are unlike Hover that are miserable to use, terrible interfaces, millions of upsells, terrible customer support. Hover is everything that those guys are not. They have no upsells and a super clean interface, which is just gold when you're trying to buy a domain. And they have the best-in-class customer support team. I've had to call them twice when something got locked from another registrar, and they answered the phone and got me fixed up in no time flat. And they've got this Hover Connect feature that allows you to connect your domain name to many website builders with just a few simple clicks. They have free Who Is Privacy built right in for qualifying domains. And it is just an amazing service. They've got over 400 plus domain name extensions to choose from, including all the classics, but tons of fun new ones. I got a .productions. I got a .coach. I got a .me from them. I've got uh, everything but a .ninja. I'm not going to buy a .ninja, but it's amazing. I love Hover. I've used them since like the day that they started. So if you need a domain, and everybody does, don't fool yourself. Everybody needs their own domain. So go check out Hover. They are amazing. So to get started today, go over to Hover.com slash GOG and get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hover.com slash GOG to get your awesome domain today and get 10% off your first purchase. And we would like to thank Hover for supporting our show. Media Candy. A friend of the show, Mike, sent me a a text saying, I need to go watch this documentary right now. It's called Generation Wealth, and it is on Amazon Prime. Uh, It's by a woman, Lauren Greenfield, who is a photographer who kind of grew up in L.A., um, and she kind of niched herself as she shot uh, the super wealthy. Like uh, Mm -hmm. when you see some of her early work, she's got like the Kardashians before they became famous. There's like uh, all these famous now famous actresses when they were just teenagers. So she was shooting like surf culture here in Santa Monica and Venice and and these parties that these incredibly rich and wealthy kids were going to. Uh, So she's now made a documentary and I'm just going to read the actual uh, blurb about it. Lauren Greenfield's postcard from the edge of the American empire captures a portrait of a materialistic workaholic image obsessed culture. Simultaneously autobiographical and historical essay. This film bears witness to the global boom bust economy, the corrupted American dream and the personal costs of late stage capitalism, narcissism and greed. And talk about uh, doing what it says on the tin. Boy, (laughs) this is really good. I, I really recommend that everybody watch this. It it is depressing as all fuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I figured that was coming. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is. It's just and it, what, what's weird about it is it because she's been doing this for so long. You kind of see Instagram culture before there was even Instagram. Okay, like you, you, she definitely shoots all this stuff, and and you can just see where we're headed and how we all became these. Uh, these incredibly narcissistic, rich little shit kids. And now yeah. <laughs> all of our society is that. And and she kind of gets into that a little bit too, because it, it gets into how 
the keeping up with the Joneses is happening now with with your Instagram and social media life and, and how we're all trying to be these people that we can't be and we can't afford to be. And we're you know, people are just blowing out savings and and not saving any money and going crazy and spending money on shit that doesn't matter and not taking care of the shit that does. And it's just sad. <laughs> it oh, really man. is. But it's it's it makes you think and, you know, pour yourself a glass of wine, watch this and weep. <laughs> I watched the trailer last night and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, if it wasn't because I was up till 11 prepping the show, which means because I usually go to bed at eight. Yeah. So I was way past my bedtime already. <laughs> and I was like, man, I really want to watch this. But uh, no, nah, couldn't do it. But yeah, the trailer alone is like, oh, crap. This does yeah. not like look like it's going to be a happy, fun show. To watch. <laughs> it is not. But, uh, you know, there are glimmers of hope and you kind of see how she's dealt with that in her own life and she's got her kids and how she's trying to deal with it with her kids. And it's it's interesting. It is definitely very, very thought provoking, especially for uh, the life that we have currently set for ourselves right now. All right. Well, yep. check it out. It's in the queue. It's in the queue. And then taking a step backwards, uh, this also made me feel sad, but in a different way. Uh, I've been listening to the Clear and Vivid with Alan Alda podcast, and he had the actors from MASH on talking about how MASH changed our lives. So it was Alan Alda, Loretta Swit, Jamie Farr, Mike Farrell, and Gary Berghoff that were on because sadly, that's all that's left. Oh, man. Yeah, from, that's from the true. cast. Yeah, from, wow. from at least the major players. So mm-hmm. um, it was it was a wonderful discussion. My gosh, they're just still funny and get along. And um, the reminiscing was amazing. Um, it was if you were a fan of MASH, you need to listen to this podcast. And it is probably honestly the last time that they'll all be together in a public forum. Um, they're all yeah. good friends with each other, but uh, I don't see them doing anything like this ever again. So. I'm definitely going to check that one out. I was a huge MASH fan. I still watch it. It's, <laughs> it was coming on when I was back in Chicago. It would come on at like 10 at night, and I'd just be sitting there with a glass of wine and watch the old episodes. And it was a fantastic show. So well written. Yeah. So and well actually, written. I really kind of wanted to go back and start watching it from the very beginning, but it's only on Hulu. And I, that's the one service I don't have. So. Oh, yeah. So I can grab bits and pieces here and there. Obviously, it's I mean, it's on every channel known to man, but, you know, they're never shown in order in syndication, which sucks. Yeah, um, that's so. that was really the the crappy part. I like, you know, you'd be watching one time and it would have, you know, one cast and then you'd watch it the next night. and It would have a completely <laughs> different cast. It's like, oh, man. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, we have some news in the podcasting world. Current and former Adam Carolla News Girls Gina Grad and Teresa Strasser are launching their own podcast together, which I'm kind of excited about. I love Teresa Strasser when she was on the show, and mm-hmm. I like Gina Grad on the show now. In fact, I, I'm actually happy that Carolla has split his podcast into two parts because I basically skip the first hour unless there's a guest I like and only listen to the beginning of the second hour because it's the news with Gina Grad. So oh, like there that. you go. So they're going to start, uh, of course, on podcast one uh, pod soup with Gina and Teresa. And it's kind of unclear as to what exactly they're going to be talking about. But I don't care because I like both of them and I think it'll be funny. Cool. I'll definitely check that out. And if you're missing out on the news girl in the middle, Allison Rosen, uh, she does have her own podcast, which I never really got into. Uh, but she has started up a second podcast called Childish with uh, comedian Greg Fitzsimmons. Um, Greg has uh, some older kids and Allison Rosen has a, I believe, two year old and is pregnant again. Um, so not for you, Jason, but if you've got kids, I've enjoyed it. It's quite funny. OK, yep, yep. I'll be passing on that one. <laughs> yeah, I figured. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we got some feedback last week on Deadly Class from I can't remember who wrote in in friend of the show, Patrick. All right. Patrick uh, said, oh, man, it kind of went to shit in episode two. Mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly disagree. Mm. I finally went back and I could watch it when the volume was normal, like not late at night. And because uh, I was sick and I had all this stuff that was piled up on the DVR. So I powered through it right. and I watched mm-hmm. uh, up to episode four. And I like the show. I okay. really got no problem with it. I think it's fun. It's it's popcorn. <laughs> it's like, you know, assassin popcorn. Right. So, all in all, I think it's I think it's actually a pretty enjoyable watch. It's it's one of my, you know, it's just on at night. And if I've got time, I'll watch it. I'm not going to go super far out of my way. But it was nice to see that it was on the DVR and I checked it out. I, I liked it. Excellent. And since I was sick, I had to break my rule because I, I I'm just stuck in bed with, you know, piles of Kleenex everywhere. So I I powered through the rest of the Punisher season two. Mm. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Excellent. I I have not been watching that because while I have not been sick, my my kid has been. And um, that just means he ends up having to come out of his room at night. And I don't want the ultra ultraviolence on the TV when he's coming. Oh, out. yeah. So I will get not. to it when he's feeling better and sleeping through the night again. 
Yeah, because it's, it's it's interesting because they have two parallel storylines going on, mm-hmm. and it it was they, I think they wrapped it up pretty well. I think they did a pretty good job because you know we're not getting Punisher season three. No, it's not <laughs> it's on Netflix. Happen. It's not coming back. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think we're just going to have to you know wait for the next Jessica Jones, and then that's pretty much going to be the last of the Marvel on Netflix. So yep, and they'll probably all get rebooted eventually. I doubt they'll come back with the same cast. That would be silly if they didn't. Disney has a gold mine right there. So hopefully they can make the deal and get these things back on track on Disney's platform, which then we will, you know, have to go have steal to for. <laughs> yeah, well, you could pay for it. Uh, although, uh, you know, Disney's streaming channel is probably going to be not bad. It might be worth it for sure. Look, they've, they're going to have a ton of content. They've got all the Star Wars stuff. They've got all the Marvel stuff. Um, they've got their own properties, which Pixar, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, kids programming, you can't beat it. So for me, paying for Disney is going to be a no-brainer, sadly. Yep, I, I wholeheartedly agree there. Um, so just <laughs> tell me how it goes. I'll give you my password. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it. Appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, Star Trek Discovery has been killing it, too. I'm really digging the show. Yeah. And now that I have my CBS All Access Pass, there's some good stuff on there that I've actually found. <laughs> I've been going back to uh, watching old episodes of Survivor every now and again, just to put it in the background to have noise. I remember when that show was fun. Mm. Sadly, it's never, not anymore. I was never a fan. Oh, I've seen almost every season. It's crazy. At the library. So the other week I finished John 12 Hawks uh, Traveler, the first book in the trilogy. And uh, as I was getting ready to get the second one, I found that he had written a uh, basically a short essay called How to Free Your Mind in the Trump Era. Oh, okay. So if you've been having issues with Trump, um, best thing is it's completely free for Kindle. It is zero dollars and zero cents. Nice. I will I will download that now. <laughs> it's practical suggestions for anyone feeling angry or overwhelmed by America's toxic political landscape. It's not too much that you wouldn't already think, but it's just nice to have somebody kind of lay it out there who's fairly intelligent. So good read that made me feel better for approximately three minutes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and last night I finished book two of the Shrilogy, The Dark River. Book two of the Fourth Realm trilogy by John Twelve Hawks. Uh, I enjoyed it not as much as I enjoyed the first one. Um, it wasn't quite as deep and uh, you know cerebral as I was hoping for. It veered dangerously into the dashing professor falling in love with the uh, you know the the girl territory. Oh no! Um, but it did lay. It, it still went well. I liked it. It set up. It set it up enough for me to want to finish the trilogy and see what book three is all about. So we shall see. All right. You got to take a break, man. I know. I can't read it. Uh, I can't read it next, even though I've already downloaded no. it. So I've got to find something else. All right. Well, I've sent you some books you can uh, check out. Yes. I, I recommend Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. That was. A, that was yes, a good I should one. get on that on my read that on my Kindle digitally. Moron of the week. Moron of the week. Oh, gosh. How long have we been talking about distributed shared Excel spreadsheets? Uh, quite a while. AKA the blockchain. Yeah, I think pretty much since <laughs> they started. Yes. So there's this great article over on Slate by Kevin Werbach, who apparently is your friend. Yeah. I, as you put in the show notes. I've known, yeah. I've known Kevin for years, like uh, well over a decade. Yeah. Okay. So he's written a book called The Blockchain and the New Architecture of Trust. And this is basically, you know, snippets from it to get you to read the book. But I thought it was fantastic because, uh, it, as he says here, blockchain technology isn't as widely used as it could be, largely because blockchain users don't trust one another as research shows. <laughs> Business leaders and regular people are also slow to adapt blockchain-based systems because they fear potential government regulations might require them to make expensive or difficult changes in the future. Good bet, because, you know, we need regulations. Mm-hmm. Mistrust and regulatory uncertainty are strange problems for blockchain technology to have, though. The first widely adopted blockchain, Bitcoin, was expressly created to allow financial tra- transactions without relying on trust or on governments overseeing the currency, which we found out people don't trust <laughs> because we want someone regulating and tracking and overseeing things mm-hmm. because people suck and we don't trust other people. Correct. Mundo. <laughs> Yeah, so blockchain, as it turns out, doesn't herald the end of the need for trust. Most people will want laws and regulations to help make blockchain-based systems trustworthy. If people trust blockchain systems, they'll use them. That's the only way they'll see mass market adoption. I think we've been saying that since day one. Pretty much, pretty much. Now, the thing about this use of blockchain is just specifically for cryptocurrency, right? 
not just for the tracking no, any. of other things. Basically any, no. you know, but I mean, anything, you know, obviously if it's an internal business to business thing, that's a completely different story, but any public facing blockchain, I suppose. Okay. That's what, that's, that was the distinction I was hoping yeah. to make there because yeah. mm-hmm. it still seems like, you know, supply chain management with blockchain is a really good idea. Oh yeah, of course it is. I, I, that sort of stuff makes complete sense. But when we're talking about, you know, the lay person and, you know, anybody putting public facing, putting your trust in some weird blockchain system in fact <laughs> i forgot to put the story in here because it was going to go with it too um some idiot has put child porn in the blockchain and nobody can figure out how to get it out i was just about to mention that yeah that's that's yeah. been around for a while <laughs> because you can you can have additions on to you know the actual transactions mm-hmm. and people are putting yes there's there's child porn inside of bitcoin yes, because people suck so that was a that was you know a, a con it was a, i thought we had this conversation about this exact thing because it's like anybody who is trading in bitcoin now is also trading in child pornography so can you just arrest everyone (laughs) and how does that how do you fix that can you fix that can you fix it yeah i'm thinking uh no i think you're i'm thinking no so Uh, even a hard fork isn't gonna fix that nope nope you're forked feedback loop we've got some new patreon subscribers ivan and kevin and Derek, who also writes in, Hey Grumps, I run a page on Facebook for editors to find work, find help, and sell hardware. I have 13,588 members right now, and I don't want to lose the page and what the page represents. I've used PHP, BB, and other message boards in the past, but is there a better solution? Uh, well, PHP is not a solution for anything, no. unless you want to no, get no, hacked. That was always a horrible <laughs> yeah. one. <laughs> oh, that's so many holes. You know, I haven't done anything with a message board online for a client in ages, but there are tons out there and some of them are pretty secure. You might even want to look at just using one of the uh, Facebook, Facebook uh, replacement things out there and set up your own. Uh, what were the what was the really good one called or at least the decent one? I can't remember. Uh, well, I mean, um, there's nothing really that great. Diaspora was the yeah, there's nothing was that out great. there. Diaspora. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not sure anymore. I have not used bulletin board software in so long. There was one called SMF that I really liked. That was the last one that I used. I don't know. Simple Machines uh, is what it was basically called. And they were great at the time. I can't vouch for if they've kept up with Mm -hmm. stuff. But they were always really good at releasing patches and making it as secure as possible. So I really liked that one back in the day. So you might want to do your research and due diligence on that one. Um, Also, tell your 13,588 people to uh, listen to our show. Yeah, definitely. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There was also BuddyPress for WordPress that I've Mm. used. Yes, yes, I've used that as well. It's okay. It's okay. It's kind of a pain to set up and customize, but it does mm-hmm. work. It does what it says it's going to do. It can just be problematic to uh, get set up. As with anything with WordPress. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Tim also wrote in, why the fuck doesn't anybody put any care into their craft anymore? I'm a senior software architect developer, and the amount of absolute utter garbage I have to review from other supposedly senior developers hurts me physically. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. yes, and Tim has upped his uh, his Patreon thing and wants us to uh, pimp something for him, so we shall. It's called the Precipice Foundation, and the whole idea is to prevent homelessness before it happens as opposed to trying to resolve it once they've lost everything. It's dedicated to good, hardworking people who've lost their jobs, hit a rough patch, or their car broke down, or whatever unexpected bill hits, but are living paycheck to paycheck to begin with, so they can't absorb that hit. Um, as you can see from the GoFundMe page, we've generated a grand total of $617. So I've been funding almost the entire thing myself out of pocket to the tune of about 30K so far. I don't honestly know how to drum up donations, but I think the first thing is to raise awareness. So if you feel inclined to mention the Precipice Foundation on your fantastically hilarious podcast, I think it would go a long way towards that goal. And we checked it out. So it's a very cool and worthy cause. And uh, we uh, do recommend all of our listeners go take a look and uh, donate if you can. Link will be in the show notes. And if you want to just type it in right now, it's at theprecipice.foundation. So that's mm-hmm. a, that's a good URL. I didn't know they had dot foundations. Uh, Isaac Asimov's people need to get on that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> and we have a new recurring subscription from Christopher over on PayPal. Thank you very much, Christopher. Thank you very much. Uh, and Seth over on Twitter says, okay, I know Eero is a sponsor, but I hope you cover the clusterfuck of this acquisition. Uh, so did Eric and Kiefer 42 and about 7,000 other people through every other venue possible. Yes, we've heard Amazon is acquiring Eero. Um, yeah, that's called business. Yeah, sadly, <laughs> I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I mean, it, it was obvious that Eero was heading that way. They were spending a lot of money on promotion and they're, they want to take over the market. And what better way than to partner with someone? It is what it is. We'll see what happens. I mean, 
you know, Nest and Amazon did okay. No, 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 Ring no. And Nest, Amazon, not so much. <laughs> no, Nest went to Google. Nest is Google. Oh, that's right. Nest went to Google. Yeah. Sorry, that's my Ring. Bad. Yeah, so, Ring is on uh, Amazon. I've got several Ring devices. I like them. They they're coming out with a slew mm-hmm. of new ones that are extraordinarily overpriced flashlights. <laughs> They've got these new uh, connected smart lights that don't have cameras right. in them, but that you can turn on with your you know your Echo, and they're like a hundred bucks for a packet too. I have like battery operated floodlights around my house that cost about $7 each <laughs> and they work really well. <laughs> so I can't yeah. see spending 50 bucks on those things. But anyway, as far as you know, this goes, I'm not too concerned about it. The only thing I'm concerned about is Eero has basically booked the rest of the year in advertising for us. So if they quit, <laughs> I am going to be extremely pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't gotten all those checks yet. Uh, you know, it's, Keep an eye on it. We'll see what happens. I know the concern is that they'll be phoning home to Amazon all the time, and that's a concern for all of us. So we'll see what happens. As of right now, it's still a great product. We'll yeah, see. it's fantastic. So I'm not giving mine up because it works. <laughs> I mean, what's the the other option yeah. right now is like, you know, the Google Wi-Fi. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, we're getting uh, right back to the Cashmere Hill article. Yeah. How do we avoid the top five giants? You know, you go and you use something for a while that's that's individual, but we all know the game. The game right now is to sell to the one of the big ones, and that's what everyone's doing, sadly. Yeah, no, and there was a really interesting article on Stratechery this morning where uh, he was talking about how they, they're looking for these, these all-in-one solutions. So once they get everything in-house and they can create this all-in-one solution, it'll be like, click, click to buy your smart home, and then you just get, you know, you get your Eero, you yeah. get your rings, you get your your Echoes and all that other stuff. You get in the ecosystem, just like we are with Apple and other things. And there was a know. very interesting point that he made that I thought would be interesting is uh, putting the Eero hardware inside the Echoes. So then they become the wireless bridges around your house. So you don't actually have two devices, which I thought was very clever. So if, that would be a very good thing. I would be into. Yeah, that. yeah, definitely. Because I've got four uh Eero beacons around my house right now because I have to cover a very large swath of area and you know they just take up a they basically take up an outlet so if if that was just an e- another echo I would have to get a new roommate because she won't let me put echoes in the house but uh I think that would be pretty cool you just tell her tell her it's just a beacon yeah it's just a beacon uh and, and instead when it uh, you know just randomly starts talking to her which is what right. the problem yeah. was well there's that yeah Oh, man. So, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I'm not too, too upset about it or worried about it. You know, the Eero is just such a solid product. As long as they get to keep making it and improving it, I'm down. I'm down. And right film sleep repeat writes in more child protection failure. Tinder, Grinder, and other dating services failed to protect children from sexual exploitation in a UK report. Yeah, I read through this. Uh, you know, they're just a platform, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, all the, the the reality is all these companies and all these services need to spend more money policing their own backyards, and they aren't. So, uh, you know, automatic detection and AI is not going to solve this problem. Eyeballs is going to solve the problem. Or more eyeballs. Yep. And Barrett writes this. Does this mean the White House will lose its Internet connection to smiley face? Uh, Russia to disconnect from the Internet as part of a planned test. Okay. I wonder if anybody can find out how to uh, gum up the switch so they can't. <laughs> yeah. Can we just off. keep it off? That'd be, that'd be great. <laughs> Seriously. And uh, third in command writes in Alexa turned up the heat and buys 500,000 toilet rolls. <laughs> oh. Yeah, this is a, an article. I guess it's been posted on Reddit. You know, so they get their money, but it's very funny. Okay, we'll definitely <laughs> check that one out. Link yeah. will be in the show notes. Yes, and uh, Barbantuan writes, you can skip Russian Doll episode two and go directly to three. And yes, there is a big twist on it. I watched episode two and then three because I figured I'd give it a go. Not a big enough twist for me to keep watching the show. It's a twist I saw coming from about 10,000 miles away. Okay. So not impressed by that one. I know a lot of people that like that, though. I've seen seen a lot of positive reviews, but you say no. I'm saying no. You can give it a go. I, I Maybe it's just me. It's just not jiving right with me or I'm not in the mood for it. And it's kind of the, the same issue I often have with Black Mirror. I'm just it's dark and I'm not if I were in a happy go lucky world right now, I'd be more into it. But when when shit's already bad, I want to watch the good place. OK. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Sadly, that's off the air right now. So, yeah. It'll be back soon. And over at GOG.show, Phil writes in, 
Hey, geeks. First off, love the show. Always great to have you two going back and forth in my head during the workday. Love it. If you guys could erase one internet or tech oopsie from history, what would it be? What do you hmm. got, Brian? Because oh, I've, um, got a, I've got one that'll solve almost every single problem. Let's go back and not base everything on the ad model. Yeah, that could be good. That could yep. be good. Yep. Let's let's do micropayments for everything. Let's not do it gets rid of the tracking, it gets rid of the privacy, it gets rid of all of that. Pay as you go, is that what you're mm-hmm. saying? Yep. Yeah. Uh mine would be just because this was such a bane in my existence for so many years, Microsoft never inventing Internet Explorer. <laughs> Well, Imagine a world where where you had independent browser companies that you paid for. Remember, you used to have to it was 50 bucks to buy Navigator. Right. It was a paid browser. Imagine that nobody made a browser for free. Well, it looks like we're kind of coming from the same point where maybe everything shouldn't have been free. Yeah, I I really yeah. think I really am down with that. Yep. Yeah. The other yeah. thing would be uh cross-site scripting, not being allowed to put somebody else's images or javascript on your site everything has to come from your server that would yeah. be another big one that if you could lock that down that would stop all the tracking period that would be it no <laughs> cross-site link or, i mean you can link but you cannot embed something in a page that comes from a domain that is not one that you own you know from the top level down right that's it okay Two good ones there. Donovan writes us, you guys talked about Slack going public and that maybe it's time to think about other options, anticipating that eventually things will go to shit. If you like Slack, there's an open source alternative called Mattermost that should feel very familiar. It's self-hosted, and I'm kind of just assuming one of you would be able to set that up. Uh, well, we're both trying to get rid of servers. so. Uh, but if you would rather someone else do it, I'm happy to help. Well, thank you, Donovan. Okay, and the next one comes from Johannes. Hi, Grumps. If you want to jump off the Slack wagon before they go public, check out Zulip Chat. It's essentially a Slack clone with some extra features. You can either get it as a service on their platform or you can self-host it. I've tested it for a while and its persistent thread feature is a clear improvement over Slack. Cheers from Boston. So I looked both of these up since they're open source and I figured, oh, got to be on GitHub, right? Sure enough. And the difference between the two is uh, Zulip Chat actually looks better. It's got just cooler features, which I really Mm -hmm. like. Uh, And it's also got about 10 times the commits on GitHub the, that does matter most. Right. So I'm going to go with the commit numbers personally. Uh, I'm going to actually spin up Zulip chat because I am kind of getting sick of <laughs> Slack uh, cutting us off at 10,000 messages yep. and killing yep. all the old stuff until you have to pay for it. And also the file size limits because we, we basically filled up my personal uh, Slack channels <laughs> And we can't actually trade files there anymore, even though we're you know, putting stuff on Dropbox and all that stuff. But yep. either way, I'm going to give Zulip Chat a shot. I'm going to spin up a uh, Nodehost instance because I am finding that Nodehost is the easiest software or uh, basically, you know, hosting platform that I've almost ever used. Yep. I spun up a couple WordPress instances the other day in like under five minutes, and it was fantastic. <laughs> it was really <laughs> easy. Those guys are killing it up there. So I have a link to... Uh, the node host stuff in the show notes as well. But uh, this looks like a pretty easy install. So I think, I think we'll give it a shot because yeah, Slack is going to, well, Slack is already kind of going to shit. It's just, it's, <laughs> I, it was such a nice thing to not have to use email all the time, but now it's like, I'm just tethered to another service. Yeah. So it's might as well get tethered thing. to Zulip chat too. Uh, <laughs> but I can have it at least then if it's self-hosted, I can spend like, you know, 10 bucks a month on a node host instance, like a decent sized node host instance own everything instead of paying per user, which is the problem with Slack. It's like, okay, right. I can't go half paid. You either have to pay for everybody in your team or nobody. And then it's, you, you get cut off, you know? So I think that's going to be in my future. All right. And uh, Holly writes us first Apple now Fitbit and sends us an article over on Engadget. Fitbit's latest tracker is only available through your work or insurance. Yeah, we saw this coming. Uh, so it's called the Inspire, and uh, they are not releasing it to the general pop. Uh, basically, it's a mass uh, amount that you purchase as a company if you want to uh, track your employees and give them incentives, or uh, you know, insurance providers can buy them and give them to people. So yeah, here we go. Here we <laughs> well, go, people. Yep. I wonder if it comes with a microphone too, so they can listen in. <laughs> just it'll be coming. Trust me, it'll be coming. Yeah, it will. And Bill sent us a very funny image. And it says, the difference between machine learning and AI, if it's written in Python, it's probably machine learning. 
If it's written in PowerPoint, it's probably AI. <laughs> Very Love funny. Uh, Ross writes us, I tried to download the Calm app, Apple's app of the year. It took me to a page that asked me to create an account and offered SSO by Facebook, then told me that it was all free till the seven-day trial ended. Then it was 50 bucks. This did not help. It did not make him calmer. <laughs> it did not do what it said on the tin. <laughs> no. And Ivor writes in, I think this has to be at least a contender for best headline of 2019. National Enquirer's Big Pecker tried to shaft me, but I wouldn't give him an inch, says Jeff Bezos after dick pic leak threat. <laughs> so many dick jokes last week. So I know. I know. So many. Uh, ben writes us, I just have a quick question for Jason as it pertains to podcasting. I just edited my first podcast episode. It runs about 40 minutes and rings in about 300 or 37 megabytes in MP3 format. Does that sound right? It seems large. Mm, that's about right. No. Um, here's the thing that you want to do. Uh, this, <laughs> this is <laughs> kind of like, you know, the Mac PC fight. Um, yep. 44.1 kilohertz, 64 yep. kilobits per second, mono. Yep. Do it. Yep. That's it. There you go. That'll take care of it. Yep. And Mike McNeil writes in, I've heard you talk about your podcasting setup here and there, and I was looking for a specific episode where you maybe went over your setup in detail. I'm trying to help a friend with some proven but not crazy expensive solutions so she can record her radio show and not sound like she's doing it in the bathroom. Do you have a specific episode or link to a page that has your current equipment set up and or any recommendations on what to buy? Um, so mm -hmm. and she's got three people in a room talking mm -hmm. and uh, most people would say, just get a blue Yeti and put it in the middle of the room. Well, no, no. that doesn't work. <laughs> um, you are going to have to spend money. It's not going to be crazy expensive, but it is going to be expensive because you need three XLR mics. You need basically an interface to those mics and you need a computer to uh, basically record everything. But um, I will drop uh, some I'll drop some knowledge in the show notes and a bunch of links to different solutions that I've used in the past for people who are starting mm -hmm. out. But uh, yeah, it's not it's not easy when you go to three people. It's really kind of a pain in the ass and you have to spend more money. And, yep. you know, for most people, for a three person setup, a decent one where it doesn't sound like you're in the bathroom and you want to sound like a professional, you're mm -hmm. probably, you know, you're coming in close to seven or eight hundred bucks. Yeah, sounds about right. All right. Why me writes in. I know I know you guys are all down with AI websites built with AI and this is mopro.com AI powered websites and social media solutions mopro is the first intelligent website platform that deconstructs and analyzes every pixel block and action on your website to learn from your users it's a smart site and I like their website tagline right here we build the million dollar website of your dreams for you start with a trial <laughs> no no <laughs> no <laughs> uh, and Jeff writes in Grumps, I have two quick issues I would like to bring up. First up, this one's going to be for you, Brian. Mm -hmm. Why is your solution to everything regulation? Your podcast continues. Because there is none. <laughs> There's none right now. I'm not saying the solution to everything is regulation, but there is zero fucking regulation right now. Okay, sorry. Your, your podcast continually mentions government usually doesn't get things right. How do you think that regulation would be any different? The third party ideas are good, but anything short of that is not going to meet even your expectations. So, oh, he also says also age limits for those in office. Just use your brain and your own sensibility when voting for a candidate. Yeah, we covered that last week. So, yeah, we did but that uh, so. yeah, uh, as far as regulation goes, you know, every time regulation gets rolled back and we see that the market is supposed to sort it out for itself, it doesn't, doesn't work. It doesn't. doesn't. We have tried no regulation and that's why we're at where we're at now. So let's try some regulation. It may be shit. It may be inefficient, but it's better than what we got now. My roommate works in real estate. And it is one of the most highly regulated industries out there because there are so many shady people in real estate. And, you know, you have to go by the letter of the law. There are, you know, people who are looking at this stuff day in, day out. There are lawyers that are looking at all of these deals to make sure that people are going by the letter of the law. And you know what it does? It keeps people safe from getting the shaft. So, <laughs> you know, I this whole free market will sort it out. Yeah. How's that working with your ISP? How's that working with your ISP? It's not working with anything. Let's let's be real. We've been deregulating for years, and it's just the, things are not good. So, anyways. <laughs> and he also says, also, why even mention the Ted Bundy Netflix show? I know it's pop culture, but to popularize someone who committed atrocious acts is very misguided. No, it's not misguided. It was a very good show, and it was very informative. And I learned a lot about sociopaths. 
and how to actually look out for them. Uh, hmm. No, it's a fantastic show. I'm not going to apologize for watching something and saying that I liked it. You know, right. it's not Fair like I'm, I, 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 it's like saying, oh, hey, you talked about saving Private Ryan. That means you love Hitler. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean I like Ted Bundy. <laughs> I like the show. That's right. all. Okay. Fair enough. Over at iTunes, we got a five star rating from Strez Technoid. My meager payment and my meager payment and indignant review. So smile would have rated the show at six stars, less one star as I had to leave a snarky remark comment. Consider a five of six next gen and a meat space score of four point seven five five. Guess I will just have to go to the website. What is the address again? Knowing you both sci-fi buffs fanboys, I guess I am older than both of you as I predate your cultural linkage by way of lost in space. Ginger was hot. Sorry, I couldn't feed the collective kitty or Jason's dogs as I'm snowed in this year and NASA won't fly me out. Well, thank you very much for those five stars and whatever the math is on the other ones. (laughs) Yeah. And Grumpy Designer writes in, keep up the grumpy. It's refreshing to catch up with you guys twice a week on the absurd events that unfold. There's never a shortage of stupidness in our society today. Highly recommended show. Well, that, that, you know, never having a lack of stupidness is pretty much what keeps us on the air. So appreciate it. Preach. Is Hidkov writes from the Russian Federation. Thank you from Mother Russia. You probably won't be hearing this since Russia shut off their internet, right? So we'll see. I'm from Russia and listened to you since last summer. So great podcast with clear, honest, pessimistic view on present and future of tech. P.S. Interesting. If I start supporting you on Patreon, can it trigger some investigation like uh, Russians support these grumpy guys? Why? Because they are demonizing Facebook and it helps hiding intervention. Looks like part of a big game. Nice. Well, thank you. How about we try it? Let's see. Yeah, let's (laughs) try. Go for it. Yeah, give us some give rubles. Us, give us some rubles on Patreon, and we'll we'll let you know if we uh, if we're having to do shows from Gitmo. <laughs> Russia Fire writes in five stars. A great start to my Monday. You guys are the best. I usually get a good laugh from Brian and Jason. You are the best tech podcast since the old Maximum PC No BS podcast from back in two thousand seven and two thousand eight. Wow, that was a long time ago. You really opened my eyes about security and the whole Facebook fiasco, and have even inspired me to do my very own podcast, albeit on a completely different subject: cars. Thanks, guys, and keep it up. Well, good luck with the podcast, man. Yep. And Randy to Kuilo writes in, funny, informative, and grumpy. I've been listening for years now, and I figured I'd leave a review. I guess I like the show. They help me catch up with the news and give me a chuckle. Keep up the good work. Thank you. I'm glad we can give you a chuckle. And mm-hmm. Faithful Heretic writes in with another five stars. Aerobics replacement. Between cheering them on for being brilliant and screaming that they're idiots, I certainly <laughs> get a workout each week. But through it all, they never fail to make me think. So thank you. Now get off my lawn. Just stay grumpy while you do. Well, thank you. Um, see, you know, see, that's that's part of our our charm is that we 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 don't always have to be right, <laughs> and, no, and so we, people are entertained. Yes. If you want your question or comment read on the show, head over to gog.show/support and send us your feedback or questions that we can read on the air. And if you're so inclined, please head over to gog.show/itunes and toss us a five star and snarky review. And if you have a huge user base that you're looking to transition off Facebook. Tell them all to listen to our show, too. Pretty please. Closing shout outs. So my first closing shout out is to uh, Finn McCool's, my beloved local. Uh, unfortunately, yesterday uh, was the last day with the old owner. I would say that's actually a good thing because she really stopped putting money into the place about 10 years ago and it desperately needs an overhaul. But uh, there's a lot of concern for the staff and and locals about how it's going to change. And uh, it's just a big transition, like 20 years I've been going to that place and it will no longer have the name Finn McCool's and um, what? You know, change will happen. No, yeah. it oh, will man. still be an Irish themed bar. Uh, we know that as uh, and we know that most of the staff is at staying on, at least at the beginning. Um, they will be sad to see people go because that just ha- happens. I mean, it always does. So we'll see what happens. But a uh, uh, bond farewell um, to fans and uh, related. That, hang uh, on, that makes my, me hang, I got I I some follow up on that real quick. That makes me okay. sad. Our show yeah. was born at Finn McCool's. It, it was, was. It started yes. with me and you sitting around getting hammered, just <laughs> bitching about the world. And then we decided to do the show, sitting at the back, having a sandwich, drinking a beer at <laughs> Finn's. And we even did some meetups for show fans at, at Finn's. Uh, this makes me very sad. That's... Yeah, it is the definitely the end of an era. And continuing with that theme, uh, my ex-business partner, well, I guess still current, but we haven't really done any work together in a while. Uh, Wendy Marvel has uh, left santa monica and venice uh she's been living living in the place that we moved into 20 years ago when we first came out here and started our company and uh that has ended as well so some big transitions happened just yesterday wendy actually turned over her keys and her and her uh, boyfriend mark got in the car and are headed to upstate new york so 
20 years ago, I moved to this area, started a company and started going to Finns. And uh, as of yesterday, the place that I moved into, the person I moved here with and uh, has left and my bar has gone away. I'm oh, man. Jeez. Oh, Wendy didn't even say goodbye. It's, uh, no, she, it's Wendy. That's true. <laughs> she couldn't organize anything. That's true. Uh, it was all too scattered. Uh, so uh, she'll be back and forth anyways. She always is. And she's still got a storage unit full of shit here that I have to go deal with. So she'll be back. <laughs> Oh man, I I did see that they used pods to move, which I highly recommend. Yes. Pods is fantastic. Yeah. They they were my yeah. the the greatest thing when I had to move to California. But I didn't know she was still in that place. I missed that place. It was uh, yeah. yeah, many a party we had there. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I I remember waking up one day and I couldn't find a sock. <laughs> <laughs> like, where'd my sock go? Oh, it's would, probably in the pod. Yeah, it could be in the pod. Well, yeah. until mm-hmm. next time, I'm Jason DeFilippo. and I'm Brian Schulmeister. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. To support the show and keep us on the air, go to patreon.com slash GOG. Toss us a buck a month and we'll love you forever. If you'd like to give a one-time or recurring donation, go to GOG.show and click the PayPal button in the sidebar. Show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 320. From there, you can find links to old episodes, leave feedback, ask questions, and get links to stuff we like. Stay grumpy.